Hallelujah. I, I just came with so much today, but I, this is not just a one-time deal. Here's the question that God said. Here's what God asked me during all of this. Because it's so easy when we see controversy. It's so easy when to be a Monday morning quarterback and to, you know, have our ideas the way something should be. But out of the greatest mess usually comes the greatest bless. And as I look at this, here's what the father told me. He said, will you be made whole? But Lord, don't you see the problem with our authorities and the problem with people and some are being abused, some are not, and there's all this mess and he said, CC, son, your problem is you're looking out there. But you can't change anything out there till you change what's in here. Will you be made whole? Now, I started sharing with you last week, really two weeks ago, that this is a season change. This is a time of cycles that cycling in God, we have two kinds of time. We have chronos time, which we get our segments, seconds, minutes, turn into minutes, hours, into days, weeks, and so on. Then we have our charis uh, time or charis time. That is season time. Seasonal where you have segments in the season. And God doesn't just move in segments. He does, but mainly you can get caught up in a chronos second, moment, day, or week and miss the season that you're in. And Jesus made it so clear to us if we just do one thing, we'll never miss a season. One thing. You say, well, pray. No, one thing. Pray's good. Well, have faith. That's good. Sow seeds, that's good. Serve time, that's good. Here's what he said. Father, I pray in his last prayer, John 17, before he was taken, he said, Father, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but that, Lord, you make them one, even as, he said, even as, not just as, but even as, just like, even as you, the Father, and I am one. Because he knew if the enemy could not divide us, he could not conquer us. And, you know, churches are separated over the stupidest stuff. Yeah, race is one thing, but it's separated over, you know, income levels, educational levels, you know, do you, are you part of this group or that group? You just, could you imagine if the church, the remnant of God, all came together for one hour, how it could change the world? If every church in Lexington came together for one hour in love and unity, the, the, the glory of God would hit so great you wouldn't have to preach, you wouldn't have to pray. God's transformational power would manifest like we've never seen it manifest before. But here's the key, guys. We can't judge others for not being in unity with us. We can only judge our hearts. So we're, the Bible says judge your heart so you're not reproved in first grade. So you're not having to be corrected. So we, we evaluate ourselves and make ourselves whole. And this is what I want to say to you, Bethel, 
I believe God has set us up for over 20 years to be leaders, especially in these times and situations, because we look more like heaven than a lot of churches do. It doesn't mean they're not Christians, but we look more like that. And we're not bragging about that. We're just saying that's how God put us together. So I'm not judging other churches. That's how God put them together. But that doesn't mean that we're in that season any longer. I said that doesn't mean we're in that season any longer. There's a season change that's taking place. Think about it. When I share with you out John chapter 5, when Jesus came up to the pool of Bethesda, pool of Bethesda, Bethesda, place of outpouring, house of grace, it was where hundreds of sick, lame, and paralytic folks were every day. And it said, says there that whenever the water would be troubled, the word terrasso, agitated, stirred up, messed up, an angel of the Lord would enter in. It's because angel of the Lord was entered in, and the very first person in that pool was healed of whatever manner of disease they had. So you had lepers there, you had you know paralytics there, you had blind, deaf, mutes, everything was there. But Jesus looked through hundreds of other impotent, sick, broken people and he came to one man and he discerned that man's heart and he looked at that man and he didn't ask him, will you be healed? He said, will you be made whole? Did you know whole is not pieces? Whole is not segments? Actually, the, the definition talks about it's all. It's complete. It's one. Depends on if you look at the, nad, the noun or the adjective. It's all basically the same. Wholeness is completeness one. It's all the parts and the sums equal one. And what I want you to say is Jesus was saying, look, I, I can heal you from being a paralytic, but that doesn't save you. I can heal you from being a paralytic, but that doesn't necessarily make you prosperous. So he said this, he wanted to make that man whole. And it's interesting, that man sounds a lot like the church. When God says, I want to make you whole, the man said, but because Jesus had discerned he'd been that way, and the Bible says he'd been that way for 38 years, crippled, paralytic. And when Jesus asked him that question, it's interesting, he would ask a man that you know would want to be made whole. But Jesus doesn't ask questions for himself. He already knows the answer. He asks questions for you and I so we can understand. So the very fact that you're asking questions right now and trying to get understanding, that's a God thing. Jesus doesn't, God, Jesus didn't perform miracles to build his faith. He performed miracles so you and I would know who he is and build our faith. And once he asked the man that. The man said what the church said. We just don't have anybody. We don't have a man. We don't have a woman. We don't have a person to lead us. We don't have a person to carry us and put us in the water. The church has been waiting too long for someone to bring a move of God. Because what this explains clearly in John chapter 5, Jesus was going to perform a miracle not just so one man would be healed, but so that the church could see that every individual could perform miracles. That every believer is a miracle. It's a miracle that anyone in this room is born again. It's a miracle that anyone in this room 
It's not out going crazy or wild or already dead. We all have a story. Use it. It's your time. And when he said he had no man, had no one to put him in the water when it was stirred, Jesus didn't explain to him, I'm the son of God. You know, I came out of Mary a virgin, but I was put in by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I'm going to preach the gospel. I just healed the whole city of Philippi. And I heal cities. I do this and that and so on. And by the way, let me pray for you. He didn't give the man a resume. He just spoke words to him. He said, take up thy bed and go home. Take up thy mat. It's time that the church gets off the mat. It's time that the body of Christ rises up. It's time that we as the church, listen to me out there everywhere on the web and on social media, it's time that we the church, which is not just Bethel, we the church, what is it? Every individual believer that's a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is every believer, every son and daughter of God, it's time that we get up off the mat. It's time that we get up off our back and rise up and stand. Now, sometimes we'll make the wrong stand or a stupid stand or a crazy stand and never that. But, but here's the thing. If you'll take a step, God will train you. God will shape you. God will mold you. But it's time that we, as the remnant church, the church of the Holy Spirit, rise up. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, all of us together, Asian, everybody, every people, every like Sean read in Revelations, the multitudes of every nation, that means ethnos. Nations is ethnos. Every ethnicity, every group, multitudes and multitudes as far as you can see. Do you think Satan wouldn't love to destroy that? I mean, how, how are we going to worship there if we can't worship here together? How are we going to serve each other there if we can't serve each other here? Really, it's kind of like your body's really healthy, but you've been bit by a, a, a really poisonous spider and didn't know it, but it's down in there and it takes it a few days for you to feel the pain, and then all of a sudden they're trying to find out what's wrong with you, and you could potentially have to have your leg amputated or whatever. You could die of a blood infection because of an unseen poison. I'm telling you, racism is one of those unseen poisons. Being segregated, being put apart. Envy and strife are those poisons. Hatred and judgment are those poisons. So it's very important that you and I understand God's plan and God's will. It's very important that you and I understand this is bigger than us individually. But it's not bigger than the church. Because we all know, even in this city and around, there's the Asian church, Korean church, Japanese church, Ukrainian church, Pentecostals church, white Pentecostal, black Pentecostal, Asian Pentecostal, <laughs> there's Baptist, there's Methodist, there's all, every ethnos is in the church. Not in the church, they are the church, we are the church. But as long as the enemy can keep us divided and separated, we can never be the church. It's time Get up off our man. What was Jesus doing? What was he doing? He was signaling that once I do what I do, you don't need a man anymore. You need me. You need the Holy Spirit 
you need to trust and you need to rise up and be made whole. Isn't it interesting? He said, rise up and take thy bed and walk. And this guy, exteriorly, he'd been crippled 38 years, so he probably had very little muscle of any. The nerves were probably dead, uh, tendons dead, whatever. You know, he couldn't move. So even if he got instantly healed, whatever was causing that, and blood started flowing again, he wouldn't have the natural strength to get up. So all the odds were against him. But just because he believed Jesus, something happened in him, and without question, before any limbs moved, he moved in his mind and in his spirit. And all of a sudden, it quickened and gave life to his mortal body. He stood. There was a vision, I haven't talked about this in years, back I think is in somewhere between 67 and 69, it might have been 1969, a great evangelist named Tommy Hicks went on to be the Lord way too early, but he brought forth what's called the Great Argentina Revival. And during that revival, there was millions of people came to Christ. And he, he was having like a million people out in fields over there before people were Yet making it popular in the 80s and 90s. But he had a vision that shook him. Oh, I've got to see him come out of the revival. I need to teach this vision. No one, I need to. He had a vision, and he saw this great, huge man on his back, and his head was at one part of the globe, and all the way back around, his feet were back to his head. In other words, his body with his limbs, his legs and everything totally circumference the world, the globe. But what he saw about this man was he was bound. And everywhere were his arms, his hands, even his fingers, his legs, his body were just restrictions, chains, chains, chains. And this man was totally locked down. He was alive. He existed he was in a location. He was in a place, but he was bound and ineffective. Couldn't do anything for himself. But this is all of a sudden something happened. I think it was the Spirit of God. He said, hit it. That's what it was. The Spirit of God hit that man. And all of a sudden, he started breaking all those chains loose off his arms, his neck, his body, his feet, and he stood up and brought the end time to you know who that man was? He was the church. And the body of Christ around the world, in many places, in most places, has so we have so restricted ourselves and so bound ourselves and we have locked ourselves into certain mindsets that we don't always have the proper meaning for what we need to do and what we need to say and where we need to. So I believe it's time that the church would rise up. Now, I shared with you, and I'll, I'll hit it really quick, in Daniel, and then I'm going to end with a verse and we're going to pray. Can't wait till we can get kids and everybody back. I just miss so many people, and um, so good to see new people here too. Praise God. But, July 5th will be open for that. So I talked to you about the seasons of appointed time of greater productivity, and I believe that's what we're in. Prophet Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, just three verses, 
verse 20 through 23. But before you get that, the prophet Daniel, remember, he was taken captive into Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar, who basically ruled the world, greatest king in the world, greatest armies, wealth, all that. They had taken the children of Israel. Uh, they'd taken their wise and best kids and imprisoned them. And then they just wiped out basically the nation and uh, left it in poverty and still ruled it. And Daniel was one of those that was one of the wise kids, made him a eunuch and others eunuchs. Then all of a sudden, the king has a dream, which is really a nightmare to him. And he wanted an answer. So he called all his wise men, which were the Chaldean groups. And the Chaldeans were into witchcraft, soothsaying, and all that, spiritualism. Called all them in. He said, I had a dream last night, and I want you to interpret it. They said, okay, king, tell us your dream. He said, no, I don't, you don't understand. I want you to interpret it, and if you don't interpret it, I'm going to kill every one of you, and I'm going to go have them go bring the rest of the wise men and kill all of them. Because if I have to tell you my dream, you can deceive. They're about, oh, oh, king, just tell us your dream and we'll interpret it. He said, I told you, that's my word, that's my command. And they said, but there's no man on this earth that could tell you your dream. He said, go from me. As soon as they left, he says, you got a, like a day or whatever to tell me. As soon as they left, what happened? He got all his soldiers together, so go to every house around, our, around all of the places I rule, grab every wise man and bring him here, we're going to slaughter. And the word got back to Daniel through a jailer and one of the people watched over him and, and, and told him what's going on. He said, oh my goodness, I got to pray. <laughs> and Daniel prayed. And he got a few of his friends with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a pretty good group, right? And a couple others to pray with him. And that night, the Lord answered the prayer, showed him the dream and answered it. And he went, got him in front of the king and he said, oh king, I, I can answer it. And what it was, the king, uh, his dream was the fact that, uh, let's see, the, the king's dream, let's see, maybe I should read that little section of it. Can you put up Daniel about 15 or 16? Is it okay in here? Y'all are quiet today. Y'all are quiet. Quiet but right. Quiet but right. Quiet but right. Here, can you put up just Daniel for me? Go down to here. Let me see. I need to see the dream part. Start in verse 1. Sorry. Daniel 2, verse 1. Okay, it says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, da 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 go on down. He called all of them together, go on down. Then the Chaldean spoke. There we go. Fall down. Okay, that's good. So anyway, let, let's jump to verse 20. So when Daniel comes to him, here's what happened. Verse 20, he prayed, first of all, he said he, he said he praised the name of the Lord God forever and ever. He has all wisdom and power. See, that's all. That's whole. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies in hidden, in hidden in the darkness, though he's surrounded by light. He said, I hope and thank and praise you, God, for my ancestors that you've given me wisdom and strength and you have told me what we have asked of you and, and what the king has demanded. 
So what was it? He interpreted the king's dream and it was kind of like he was going to be a ruler and he was going to be over all this, but after he died, the kingdom would go through this and that. So it was a very detailed interpretation. Soon as he gave that interpretation to the king, get this now, if you read on down through there, he's a slave. Everybody say he's a slave. He's a slave and in a foreign country serving a foreign king and what happened? Because of the wisdom and knowledge of God and him trusting that, praying and receiving it, goes in front of the king. The king got up and said, everybody needs to worship Daniel and this and that. He directed him back to God. But then he said, okay, I'm putting you over, not over all my wise men, but I'm putting you directly under me in charge of everything. So instantly, he went from slavery, poverty, and a low-level existence in the eyes of people to ruling and reigning over the very people that had him in slavery. Now get this, this is important. So, what was interesting, he told the king he was still going to kill all the other soothsayers. And he said, no, don't do that. You and I, as the church, have the ability to produce life and death with our tongue. And as we pray, as we speak, as we walk out, as we love with no conditions, and, and as we do our best to understand one another, God can use us not only to save our own household and our own children and children's children, but God can use us to save an unsaved world. He wants to use you and I. So when God moves, he's not just moving for the church. He's moving for the unchurched. Jesus said, I didn't come for the Righteous, I came for the unrighteous. I came for the sick. I came for the lame. I came for the broken. So what I want you to realize, and I taught a little bit more about it last week, but I, I didn't teach as much about it this week. But the whole deal with the three literal Pentecosts, I don't have time to get into, but this was our third literal Pentecost. You can go back and listen to some of the other stuff on Facebook. I talked last couple weeks. From that, just like the Acts 2 Pentecost, ushered in a whole new inheritance, presence, power. We had the Spirit of God in us. Now, this being the third literal Pentecost, out of all these Pentecosts, what happens? It opens up now us to a whole new level of tapping in, not just a part of our inheritance, but if we're willing, all of our inheritance, and a whole other realm of power and authority and opportunity. So go with me now to Mark's gospel, and then I'll, I'll do this and we'll pray. You're quiet, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I think the heat's on now. I told them to turn the AC down, but if you don't mind, turn it up for a brother. Amen. Praise God. They're like, my goodness, Pastor, what's, what's your deal? You want the heat? You want the air? You want the... I know, sometimes I'm finicky. Stephanie's like, amen to that. But I'm just taking my time with this. It's, you know, you can get it or not get it. It's up to you. I'm a leader. I'm giving you the asparagus and the mustard greens and the onions and all that stuff you need just as much as the mashed potatoes and the sweet cobbler pie and all the rest of it. So it's up to you. You can take it or leave it. But I've done it. I've done what God told me to do. So maybe this would be a good illustration for you. Jesus, you know, is ministering. He comes into the city and... Um, the Pharisees came to his disciples and asked him questions and all this. 
So let's look at verse 14. Then they came to him, the disciples of John, saying, Why do you, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but you disciples fast not? So why are we so holy and the rest of you are a mess, right? It's easy to be that way if we're not careful. Why is my house so great, but the world's such a mess? Verse 15, And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and they and then they shall fast. Talking about fasting. So they're focused on, we're going to get one up on you because that's a big spiritual up. If you fast, someone else doesn't, right? But then Jesus explains in a parable. He says, no man puts a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up takes away from the old garment, and the tear is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles? This is King James. New King James says old wineskins. Else the wineskins or the bottles break and the wine runs out and the bottles perish. But they put the new wine into new bottles and they are both preserved. So here's the way they would do it. When they would take wine, new wine, new grapes that's ready to be fermented, and they had the leather pouches, you know, that they poured it in and stored it in and kept it. That's how they carried things. If they took new wine that was beginning to ferment, agitate, terrasso, stir, put it in an old wineskin, it would cause such an agitation expansion that it would sooner or later explode the pouch or it would break cracks and holes and it would all leak out. So Jesus said, the old wine skin, now what's wine representing the body? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, he didn't say they didn't have some leftover wine in the skin, right? He said, but if you put new wine in an old wine skin, the fermentation, the agitation, the movement of the new wine would explode or cause leaks in the old wine skin. Here's how they treated the wineskins. you got to study it out. If they had an old wineskin and they were going to put new wine in it, they would soak the old wineskin, which would be leather to us, in water until it became soggy and moist and let it sit there for a while. What's water represent in the Bible? The Word of God. They would take the old wineskin, soak it in the Word of God, to prepare it so that when the new wine came, it could expand instead of imploding and hold the new wine until the new wine was poured out and used. So we as the church must be saturated with the word. We as the church, we need to be soaked with the word. The Word is just not printed page. The Word in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word is the Logos, the sum total person and personality of God, and uh, the Rhema, the promises within the Logos. Are you tracking with me, or have I already lost you? I know we're in a season now that we just got to get in the spirit, people. You're not going to figure this out in your mind. You're, you're just... You're going to fear. And one great man said, fear, the worst fear is fearing fear itself, right? 
So, so that's not what you want to do. Don't, don't get into fear. Be in faith. I'm going to walk down here. I don't care if it's right or not. Getting it. This is your season. If you will soak yourself in the truth of God right now and let it begin to wash your mind, soak your mind, train your mind, it will make you available to receive the fresh new anointing of God, the fresh spirit of what's going on in the earth. One of my grandfathers in the faith, Dr. Lester Sumrall, wrote over 100 books. In his 80s, he had a greater ministry than he did any other time in his life. He said, you know what's the difference to me on a plane one time? He said, you know what's the difference between me and my contemporaries? He had been from Louisiana, dying at 17 with tuberculosis, a priest giving his last rites, and that night he saw the Bible open and a million people going to hell. And he accepted the call of God and gave his life to God. And the next day he was instantly healed. From that point on at 17 up to in his mid to late 80s before he passed, he had never been sick again. He walked in faith, power, and preached at every nation on this planet and brought moves of God. But get this. He had been in different denominations, Assembly of God and all these different denominations, and every time God would turn to leave for whatever that move was, they would almost just disband him. But he moved beyond them and had greater impact. He said, do you want to know what the difference between me and my contemporaries, other men of God that he preached with and served with and was in ministry with? I said, no, sir. Can you tell me? He said, yes, it's simple. He said, I always chose to move with God rather than to stay with men. I always chose to move with God rather than to stay with men. I always chose to move with God than to stay in the move I was in because I knew that move was coming to an end and I didn't want to be on a dead end street with dead end people and be dead myself. He said, you want to know why they didn't make the decision I made and made fun of me and disbarred, dis, you know, dis, disassociated with me and all that? I said, no, sir, why? He said, first of all, many of them were comfortable, had made it to a place in life, and they thought, why take on all that? Me and my church, I mean, my family, we're fine. I hate that the world's burning up, but we're safe. We live in a good neighborhood. We've got good, good, uh, good schools. We've got whatever. We're okay. We live in America, United States. You know, it's fine. We don't live in, you know, a nation where they're burning up places and, you know, the, the, the government don't even rule there. It's read by, you know, ran by terrorists. Or no, no, no. But is anybody starting to feel less safe and less comfortable recently? Has anybody prayed some extra prayers over your children and your grandchildren lately? Remember I said this, it's not just about you. More importantly, it's about our children and our children's children. So to me, that's a stirring. That's an agitation. God didn't cause it, but he's allowed it. There'll be suit, uh, doomsayer, prophet, I mean, prophets saying that, you know, he, he's, you know, put it on us. We're under a new covenant. But he allows it. Why? Because we're too comfortable. 
We're sitting in here in a $7.8 million building and all of the, you know, out here we've got protection. You don't see it, but believe me, we got it. We got things going on here, right? We're on a beautiful property. We're in a beautiful city. Are we too comfortable? You know, when we argue, you know, what programs we have or don't have, is the music too loud or not too loud? Is, you know, the preacher, you know, is he preach enough or teach enough or are we too comfortable? When we pay our bills and go in more debt and don't tithe and rob God, are we comfortable? When we just hang out with people we want to hang out with and don't deal with people we don't want to deal with, are we too comfortable? See, your impact's not judged in these four walls. Your impact's only judge what you do out there. That's where your impact will be about. So here's key. It's not going to be a move like the old way of just straight up street evangelists and all that. I'm just telling you, it's going to be person to person, house to house, door to door. I saw a vision of it about seven or eight years ago, house fires around the city. Where like you'd see fire, a fire on top of a roof in a house, the tongues of fire. Somebody in there bringing a group together, studying the word, praying, believing, and just loving their community. And all of a sudden it catches the whole neighborhood on fire for God. Remember that when I was preaching that years ago? I thought it was for that time, but I believe now it's for this time. So, an agitation where the old wineskin is getting empty. When it gets empty, everybody says, well, the party's just about over, right? I guess we're getting out of here because we're out of wine. And then Jesus threw him a curveball. His mom said, we need more wine for this party, this wedding feast. Because they'd always give their good wine first and their cheap wine later, right? Everybody's going. But they were out of wine. Jesus said, woman, it's not my time yet. But he obeyed mama anyway. He said, go back there and pour water in those barrels. When they went back there and poured water in those barrels, what happened? When they come forth and they took a drink of that wine, it was the best wine they'd ever drink. Oh, my goodness. They usually save the best thing for first, not last. This is amazing. That was also a type and a shadow that there's a shift. So just because you're just about empty in your vessel, a little dry, a little cracky, little... Me too. I'm talking to Dalton too. Dalton's been a little too comfortable too. And we get a little comfortable in the way we do things and the way we... All of a sudden, Jesus starts pouring some wildfire in your church, in your family, in your life, and they get messy and they're agitated and you're like, well, God, why'd you bring them in here? They're just causing agitation. Because he's telling you to soak in the word so you can handle the fermentation and the growth and the impact. Church, it's up to us to handle the agitation. It's, it's, it's hard to sit and listen to someone and they're saying, well, you know, you, you're missing it. I thought you loved me more than you did and you said this and you did that. It's hard, right? Especially if it's not your intention. It's hard enough if it was your intention you got caught. But it's really hard if it's not your intention. You know what it does? It stirs things up. One thing about old Dalton, I get ticked off sometimes over certain things pretty quick. 
But Mark can testify, and Stephanie, she loves me. She's still willing to testify. It doesn't take too long for me to let God kick me over the head and cry and weep and repent. I'm not saying I do crazy. I'm just saying I can get frustrated or a little agitated. But then I, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm smart enough to know when that's going on, there's a reason. It's not about me being right or wrong. I got to find out what the reason is from God, what he's saying. Because so many times I thought it was one thing and found out it wasn't. And I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your wineskin is full because you ain't used any of it. But it's still dry because it's old. It's not pliable and flexible. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you've already made the transition. You're in the new wineskin. But I'm telling you, as the body of Christ, as individuals, God is saying, I'm ready to pour in a new move. I'm ready to pour in a new wine. I'm ready to pour my spirit in you at a whole new realm. I'm ready to bring you into your W-H-O-L-E inheritance, not pieces of it or parts of it. But you, no one, the preacher, no one can prepare you to receive my new wine except you. Your wife can't, your husband can't, your kids, your grandparents, no. You have to make a decision. Am I going to make something happen? That's why I so admired the police chief when he, all the stuff he was taking and putting up with. But then what did he do? He spoke out of his spirit. Because God had been doing something in him that he may not even known yet. He might have got down and said, did I say it's God's will? People are going to think I'm crazy. I don't know what he was thinking, but he was right. Usually when we're not thinking, we're right. <laughs> and this is God. And we are being weighed in the balance, not just as a church, but individuals. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Are we ready to receive new wine? If we're ready to receive new wine, guess what? We got to be soaked in the word and the truth. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's, that's what happened there. So the big thing I want you to get back there in Daniel was not only did he get promoted, but through his prayers, the Bible said he even changed the time and the seasons. The time and the season was going to be for him and all the wise people, including the children of Israel, die. But he was able to change the time and the events through prayer, humbling himself, connecting with God, and then obeying what God told him to say and do. And then it not only changed, it accelerated him out of slavery. He was having heaven on earth. He's in charge of everything right under the greatest king on the planet. He still had more trials after that. Stuff still happened, but he made it through. So what I want you to realize, you have an opportunity to change times and seasons. But you have to do it by new wine, new spirit, fresh spirit. Now get this, Luke 5, remember, Jesus came up on the little fishing boats all around the Sea of Galilee. And he went over to a man named Simon at the time, who's Peter. And, and he said, can I, can I use your boat? He 
wanted to be cast out a little bit and preached to the, they said there was like about 5,000 little vessels all around that area pulled up, commercial fishing. Can I, can we launch out a little bit and use your vessel? And Peter, Simon was frustrated, but he recognized new wine in this man he hadn't met. He didn't announce that I was just baptized by John the Baptist, I'm the son of God, no. He just said, can I use your vessel? He said, oh, master, Rabbi, master, uh, we have toiled, struggled all night long and caught nothing. Now, you may not think that's nothing. They just cleaned their boats ready for the next day, but they had toiled and struggled all night long and caught nothing. That was the season of fish because during that time of season, Israel was too hot during the day. The fish went deep. They had to wait till it's dark, cooler than other times they had fished during the day. But during that time, they fished in the low stuff, and they had to wait till the fish would come up into that low stuff, into that sun and stuff, right? And then they would take them in. Get this. But, wasn't as you wish. What did he say? I haven't read that in a while. But as you command or whatever. He, he said, even though it's out of season, it's not the season of fish, it's midday, we will launch out into the deep. And when he launched out into the deep with Jesus, Jesus preached and great power was released on all them. And he said, go out a little deeper. He said, well, Master, we could go in. He's tired by this point. He said, I fished all night. Go out a little deeper. And we went out a little bit deeper. He said, cast your net here. And all of a sudden, they could hardly pull all the fish in. Cast your net here. They could, it was full. And then he looked at his two partners, Andrew and James, and said, hey, come on. They come out, and their net's about broke. And when they came to the side, they got out. Peter just fell down on his face and said, oh, master, I'm not worthy that you'd even be in my boat. Not even worthy. He said, oh, Simon, Simon. Season change. Simon, Simon. You're not going to be fisher of men any longer. I mean, you're not going to be fisher of fish. I'm going to make you fisher of men. How did that happen? He obeyed God in turmoil, wore out, empty pocketbook, looked like an idiot in front of his other contemporaries and trusted Jesus. And because he trusted Jesus, not only did he get provision to pay his debts off, he received his purpose, his calling. I'm telling you, many of you don't feel you're called. You're going to find your calling. Many of you feel you don't have meaning and purpose spiritually. You do. Every believer is called. Every believer is part of the Great Commission. Every one of us are. Let's stand. So everyone today, not just those in this sanctuary, everyone that's participating with Bethel right now, it's a season change. It's a season change. God wants to catapult you into a new season. But God doesn't move you to a new season without equipping you. And the equipping is a fresh anointing. New wine. A new anointing. Represents a new anointing, Sandy. A new anointing. The ways we used to do it or we thought we should do it, we may not be doing it anymore. We'll be doing it the new way by the Spirit of God. And you that's been around can say church was done differently 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 50, 60. 
it, it changed. A lot of people changed, a lot of people stayed, and they die off. But I am telling you, this is more than just a method change, a style change, you know, a dress change. This is a spirit change. This is an inheritance transfer. And just as the man was made whole at the house of grace, the place of outpouring, it's your opportunity to become W-H-O-L-E, whole complete, lacking nothing so God can use you to bring in his harvest. If you want to bring in the harvest, just put both hands up in the air. You want, to, you want that new wine today? You stand up. Just keep your hands up. I'm going to pray right now and release faith for you to start getting it. You in homes, work, wherever you're at, if you're driving a car, pull over to the side and raise both hands right now. Father, we are here to obey you, to serve you, to love you, and to serve and love others. We know you would never give us a commission, a great commission, or any kind of commission without equipping us to do it. So today, Father, we choose to soak our old wineskins now in the Word, in your truth, in your revelation, and to receive the new anointing, the new spirit, the fresh wine, the outpouring, maybe even the last end time outpouring, whatever it is, we just want it, God. And we want you to live through us. We want you to work through us. We want you to serve through us. We want you to save through us. We want you to heal through us. We want you to fill and restore through us. We receive, God, your new wine today. We receive your new anointing on our lives. Use us, Father. In Jesus' name. If you believe that right now, give God a big shout of praise. If you believe it, give God a big shout of praise. Everybody say new wine. Come on, say new wine. Amen. God bless you.